Welcome back to the Transforming Cities podcast. Each episode, we highlight the ideas around rethinking the way cities are being built. We discuss the roles of planning, design, technology, and other fields that contribute to improving the urban experience. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Transforming Cities podcast. Today, I'm speaking with a good buddy of mine, Jorgen Jensen. You know, and inviting them into the space to, you know, kind of inspires them maybe or uh, inspires them to consider like how they'd live in the space. Jorgen is a partner at Denver-based Slate Urban Advisors, a creative real estate agency that specializes in the marketing and sales of unique well-designed properties and residential development projects in Denver. Jorgen is someone who always has his hands in interesting projects. Beyond his work at Slate, he's also the lead developer of The Foundry, a reclaimed food and beverage hall in Des Moines, Iowa, and a board member of Union Station Advocates. I spoke with Jorgen on how he looks at his real estate business through the lens of design and how they're using experiential marketing, storytelling, and retail pop-ups to create new ways of showcasing their properties. I should also say that we ran into some technical issues trying to record on Skype, so I apologize in advance for the volume issues on my end. All right, here's Jorgen. Jorgen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brian, appreciate it. Yeah. So to set the stage here a little bit, you know, we've known each other for about 10 years at this point, you know, the better part of a decade. And one thing I've always admired about the work that you do is that you see, you know, your career and the work that you're doing through the lens of design. You know, I think both career, both other just, you know, freelance projects that you're working on, you have a very unique way that you view these, these projects. And so while you're not a designer per se, you know, I think it's it, design has made a big impact um, on your work. So to start off here, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you arrived to where you are now. Yeah, sounds good. And yeah, thanks for having me. It's crazy to think it's been a decade. Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, f- for me, I, uh, I did start off in school in, in architecture. You know, I ultimately just did that for like the first year and a half while at Iowa State. and. Ultimately, you know, I dropped out to pursue a degree in business and, and a minor in design. But, but, you know, that first year in architecture school was more intensive with design and design study. Uh, you know, kind of, I think the goal is kind of teach you how to think differently and how to, you know, creative problem solve. Sure. Yeah, and that's definitely come in handy in my career in real estate. So when you were in school, what were some of the concepts that you know, that you really gravitated towards, you know, not, not specific, not specific concepts necessarily, but just kind of when you're thinking about design or architecture, what were some of the, some of the the ideas that really, you know, captivated you? Well, it it might, I might say it'd go back to before I even went into college where, you know, starting in sixth grade, I, I was working for a good friend's father, Kirk Von Blunk. You know, Kirk was a a leading architect and, and preservationist in Des Moines. And I spent, you know, countless summers and weekends working with him through middle school and through high school. And uh, I think it was kind of through my work with him that, you know, even though it's just part of the grunt crew, that uh, I learned, you know, the power I think we have to, you know, shape our communities and and uh, develop our communities through urban renewal and, and real estate development. Of course, a lot of that's driven by design or architecture. And then really when I came to Denver, you know, even out of school, you know, it came down to kind of who I decided to work with. Once I got into at least real estate brokerage, there were certain people there and a woman I worked for in Denver who uh, reinforced, I think, the need for, you know, maybe taking a more creative approach 
to your work and whether that's real estate development or brokerage. Sure. So let's see, let's, let's rewind to kind of like your timeline. So you, you went to school at Iowa state, correct? That's right. And yep. then after that, you moved to Denver. Yeah. Pretty much a week later I was in Denver. Okay. Nice. And then, so kind of what were you doing in Denver? Like how did the career start? You know, I know you worked on a couple different, let's say urban ventures that you've been a part of, like how did, what was kind of the, the steps that, that got you to where you are now? Well, I initially got into the capital development side. So I was, you know, kind of raising capital into different real estate projects and it wasn't to be honest, much of a, uh, I mean, there, there was creativity in, you know, how you structure things and how you market things, sell things, but it, it wasn't a, a creative outlet, you know, sure. by any means. And then I, I got involved in some, I'd say more creative placemaking projects. So community development type projects. And, you know, that is, that was really rooted in transforming public spaces, you know, into a more creative or activated use. So that's kind of really where I, I first I guess, dabbled in, in design as it relates to real estate or, sure. or urban design. And then from there, ultimately got into real estate brokerage. So I've had some fun, you know, in that space and, and uh, seeing where I can apply creativity or design thinking to do things differently. Yeah. So what about the placemaking? Um, what aspects about that did you enjoy and, and kind of what did you start bringing into the uh, brokerage? Well, you know, the creative placemaking stuff was kind of you know, again, more projects in the public realm or in Denver. Uh, that was really before I got into real estate brokerage. So kind of, kind of two different things, but as it relates to the brokerage, um, you know, it's all about how you, you know, create a, a project or, you know, the materials that you need to market a project and, and tell the story. Yep. So that's probably been the, the greatest area where I've been able to, to apply, uh, you know, my background design or design studies. Yeah. Cool. So what sort of inspirations, you know, people and or projects kind of help shape the, the design forward lens that you look through your work with? Well, yeah, again, I think it goes back to my mentors. I mentioned Kirk Blanc, the company I worked for when I first got my real estate license was Urban Market Partners and Amy Harmon. These people, uh, especially Amy, uh, as I was you know, in my career, when I worked with her, you know, it was, it was inspiring to see how you can maybe take a more creative approach. You know, the end goal is just to uh, create more beauty and, and learn how to collaborate with yep. people. And that's a big part of design, as I'm sure you're aware. I mean, everything yep. comes down to a project and a project comes down to a team and, and therefore a, a, a collaboration. So I think, you know, grasping that and, and learning from these mentors and how they orchestrate projects, whether it's a real estate development or, you know, uh, an improvement to the public realm or, you know, a, a, a park space, H- having that understanding is what, you know, I try to learn early with their example. Yeah. And you were a part of, or I, I believe you played a role with the Union Station redevelopment, correct? Uh, yeah. Once again, just from a, like a community development or a public spaces perspective. So yeah, I joined the uh, board of directors of the Union Station advocates which had been founded by dana crawford and you know she's a leader in in preservation historic preservation here in denver and learning from her just by my engagement with that group which was really focused on the design excellence and ultimately the outcome 
uh, of the public spaces surrounding Union Station and its, you know, 19-acre redevelopment into a transit hub. So, you know, back then it was the concern was over, you know, can we do this right? We have one shot at at designing this for people and yeah. and creating places for people. So, yeah, I would say that those experiences. I mean, it's going on a decade that I've been on that board. So. That's definitely a, a place where I've I've come to you know better understand the importance of design and you know how it's considered in the built environment. Yeah, that's super interesting. You know, like thinking about your work with Urban Market Partners, your work on you know that Union Station project. Um, you know, I think you're throwing around you know some terms like historic preservation and collaboration and, and kind of design excellence. And, you know, how do those concepts or kind of your, your holistic understanding there through that experience that you've had, how do you apply that to some of the work that you're doing as a broker? Yeah. Uh, well, with Slate, Slate Real Estate Advisors, you know, we, we kind of created that. It was two years ago. The goal was to kind of come at things in a different manner or with, with a higher level of creativity, maybe. Yep. And, you know, that's uh, learning from those past projects and experiences, I think, really comes down to valuing design, understanding what that, you know, what it means to uh, take a you know, more thoughtfulness toward design and, and ultimately considering that it's really an investment of time, energy, oftentimes money or more money, and just coming to the understanding that that's important. So, yep. you know, it's how we position a property and, and, you know, the teams we create, the creative teams we create around a project to execute on, on our ideas and our vision. And that's really where I think the collaboration piece is so key because it's not, you know, not everyone comes from a, a background in design. And, right. and so if, if, if you don't, it's really, what's really important is who you surround yourself with, right. And, and the creatives that you maybe engage or hire to support you in your project. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So for, for someone who's involved in the, you know, the urban or the real estate space, who isn't a formal designer, how can they begin to incorporate some of those concepts that you're talking about or, you know, maybe looking through the design lens into the work that they're doing? Well, yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, again, uh, not everyone comes from a background in design or the creative, you know, realms. I think for anyone, I really think anyone can find a way to, to study design. One example is I have a young associate broker in our office. He's decided to, to learn more about spatial planning, you know, interior design and architecture. I think just, just so he can have a better understanding of, of that, especially when he's touring properties with clients, you know, and helping them figure out how they might use a space or how they might arrange things in the space. So he's enrolled in a class or two at this, this interior design school in Denver called Heritage. It's based in Rhino, and that might be one extreme. You know, obviously signing up for courses you know, is taking a lot of time and money. Or it could take considerable time and money. You know, another option might be just to kind of do a deep dive or, or self-studying design. Yep. Um, and design's broad. I think it's, it's important to kind of note that in this conversation, right? Design, you know, can be interiors or graphic design or architecture. And I think the, the goal is just to not try to you know learn it all, but the goal is to maybe pick one and just learn more about the creative process and. Uh, you know, maybe the, the key is to probably just you know keep it simple and focus more on um, you know developing a good I'd say a good enough understanding of design. Yeah. You know, being able to distinguish in the least what's what's good design and what's poor design. Sure. Oftentimes, that can certainly help as you make decisions on behalf of clients, 
figuring out, you know, a, a direction, a creative direction. Yeah. So how about outside of work? Is there, are there other ways that you stay creative to kind of nurture those, those creative juices? Well, for me, that's an easy one. It's photography. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm constantly taking, I mean, you know, over the years, right. as being friends, we've, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of taking photos, I guess, as a way to, I don't know, capture the journey or my journey. And, sure. and I've always enjoyed that. So if I'm not taking photos, I'm oftentimes editing them. And of course, sharing on social media, that's, that's a, a serious creative outlet for me. So right. that's probably one of the, the main ways I stay creative outside work. Nice. And it seems like, I mean, I don't know if you're shooting all the photography, but I have to assume some of the photography on many of your, your projects is, is either being creative directed or, or shot by you. And I think you can always tell that you know, there's a, there's a good vision behind some of the, the photography that you guys use. Yeah. I appreciate that. The easiest way to distinguish whether or not it's mine is, you know, if I don't give a shout out to a photographer, um, it's, it's more than likely my own and I don't, I'm not always the best at giving shout outs to myself. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's a good point. I'm, you know, shooting film or digital. I'm, you know, I'll, uh, I'll usually try to have a camera and, and take photos. It's just fun sharing. Sure. So let's kind of pivot, you know, specifically into your work at Slate, where I know that you're a partner. And so I guess in the industry itself, you know, how is design traditionally viewed in the brokerage space? You know, there's, I mean, in Denver anyways, there's thousands of real estate brokers. I mean, I think there's a record number number of, of real estate brokers in Denver. And it's safe to say that, you know, not everyone comes from a, a design or a creative background. You know, many people uh, move from a variety of different careers and backgrounds to pursue real estate brokerage. So, so I think what that, you know, ultimately what that means is there are many brokers who understand the power of design, but for a large number, it's, it might be an afterthought. Sure. In this business, design really affects everything. I mean, it affects how you might position a property in terms of, you know, photography and the graphic design of a I don't know, property brochure or website, you know, just a couple examples, but design, you know, really if, if they don't have those services in house or their own ability to, to create things like, you know, like what we're, like what we're talking about. So you'd really have to engage the right people, I think right. to help. So and you, uh, at Slate, do you guys do that in house or do you have like a team of, kind of other creatives that you work with? Actually, we've been pretty lucky. We don't, it's not in-house, but uh, we have friends, you know, in, in the Denver community who are these hyper creatives. And for our website stuff, we work with one friend, Elliot Hassey of Hassey Design. And, you know, he can also, uh, if you have an idea around like an identity or uh, like even when we first started Slate, we, uh, we engaged a, a creative team to help us, kind of like your company, to help us define our identity and, and then translate that into the you know, graphic form and, and creating a brand really. Sure. So how about for firms who may not have all those connections, I guess, like how would you, you know, recommend building those connections or what should they look out for? Or maybe what should they, you know, n- not kind of go in the direction of? Well, I think asking for referrals, I mean, it's, you know, if you can look, uh, look into the marketplace and see, you know, other businesses or organizations that are, you know, kind of rendering what they would believe to be like, you know, a, a quality product or, or, um, you know, outcome, I think, you know, just finding out who they've worked with yep. and maybe, um, I don't know, even looking it up online and, and, you know, checking out each firm and 
most of these companies would provide uh, an example of their work. And if it, if it speaks to you through their website, chances are they can help you with, with whatever you're working on. Yeah. So with regards to design in the brokerage space, what opportunities do you see being out there right now? Well, here in Denver, you know, I think, I think a big, a big piece of uh, real estate, you know, like when it comes to developing or marketing and selling real estate, I, I believe there's really always a need for uh, creative storytelling, you know, and, you know, having a strong kind of visual you know, communication, you know, innovation um, can start by engaging the right creative partners, like, you know, like what we've been talking about, but it might not mean, you know, greater capital investment on their part, or I'm sorry, it might mean that they'd have to, you know, invest more on the front end. But I think having, you know, if someone doesn't have that design mind or the in-house skills, uh, like we discussed, I think it comes down to collaboration. Sure. And um, we've been doing this in different projects, like in staging and how we stage homes. Right. You know, I think there's a, a massive opportunity for innovation in, in uh, the property staging and styling space. You know, it comes down to setting the, the, the scene, right? And, yeah. and bringing in the right photographers to, to shoot the property. And, you know, it's very important how you kind of create the atmosphere for that. And so, yeah, we've enjoyed you know, working on projects that kind of take, a, would say an added level of thought as it relates to how we you know, furnish a home. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You're, you're, when you're mentioning the storytelling aspect of it, you know, I think when you're thinking about photography, when you're thinking about partnering with creative agencies or firms or just other creatives and really telling the story of the property, which I think, you know, you guys do so well, you know, is that something that really transfers into the work that you're doing? Is that, is that something that, you know, you think differentiates you guys at Slade or maybe is something that's, that's lacking across the industry? Yeah, I do actually. I, you know, on the topic of property staging, as an example, two years ago, we partnered with our friend Alex Ryden at Guest House. Okay. Guest House is a, a retailer. More or less, they turn homes into li- and, and living spaces into retail environments yep. or experiences. So we, you know, this goes back probably a year and a half ago or even close to two years ago, we kind of put Alex to the test. Uh, we had a, a unit uh, the Four Seasons, my business partner, Stan, had had it listed for a while. And and it came time for them to him and his client to de- decide to stage it. And so, you know, we turned to Alex and we curated the spaces with, you know, design furniture and home good products and art um, for the most part that was made here locally in Denver. But the key was we brought these spaces to life with, you know, these beautiful things yep. that for the most part, actually pretty much everything, even in the first project was, was for sale. And you know, that gave us unique access to things that you just wouldn't find provided by other more traditional staging companies. Right. The outcome that was the greatest was the fact that we, you know, now had set, you know, created uh, an environment in these homes that allowed us to bring in these photographers and, and shoot things differently, you know, not just shooting the real estate, like the large spaces, but really kind of focusing on the, the moments, like how the light comes into the window and, you know, hits the sofa in the living room or, you know, how maybe one space connects to the other, like trying to find those, you know, capture those moments. And so that's been uh, really cool. We've done like six or seven of those now. And in fact, our uh, recent collaborations on staging were just featured in Modern in Denver magazine. So they've, they've taken note to how we've gone about, you know, staging homes differently. Yeah. It reminds me of um, when I was living in Chicago, Restoration Hardware um, came out with kind of a, a different retail concept where they, 
you know, had a bar in the restaurant and they um, had tables everywhere inviting people to kind of, you know, experience the, the furniture itself. And, you know, I, I guess to me, it's, it's interesting to see kind of the, the crossover and the collaboration between two, you know, industries that were potentially didn't collaborate before. So when you're talking about, you know, your brokerage company and then also, you know, a retail company and, and how together you guys can create experiences, which again, goes back to the storytelling component that we were talking about before and how it just creates new opportunities for, for kind of both you guys. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, end of the day, it's experiential design, right? It's, right. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's creating a, an experience for people or your clients or, you know, in brokerage for prospective home buyers, right? Have invite them into the space where, you know, it's a result of a, you know, a, a highly collaborative effort and inviting them into the space to, you know, kind of inspires them maybe, or, uh, inspires them to consider like how they'd live in the space Yeah. versus again, the, the alternative that a lot of people have to turn to in Denver is, you know, to work with a, a traditional staging company that, you know, oftentimes, you know, they put in lamps that don't even have light bulbs <laughs> or, or that, you know, fake, we all know the <laughs> fake uh, bowls of plastic fruit. Right. And so, yeah, but at the end of the day, these makers, you know, we're also supporting them. They're coming to the spaces. We'll have, you know, open houses that are more of a retail experience. We'll, we'll kind of make a party out of it. Yeah. Yeah. We've been doing that with some projects in Denver where we more or less turn these private for sale, you know, properties into, you know, we open it up to the public and we turn it into, uh, to, into an event or an experience for people. Sure. You know, what we get out of that is all these people that are there are excited to share. You know, they're taking their own photos and posting it on social media or the makers that we highlight in our photography are getting noted. We give them shout outs on social media. And, uh, and of course, guest house, our partner who is really at the helm of all this. And we, we kind of engage them on each project, bring this stuff to life. You know, they are really good at promoting, like, especially these local makers, you know, kind of giving them, uh, you know, giving them a platform to, to share their work. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it really seems like what you're, what you're talking about, I think you mentioned this term before, but it's really experiential marketing that you're using, you know, in the brokerage space and through all these partnerships that you guys are creating and, you know, you're, you're kind of creating um, a lot of organic, you know, traffic or a lot of organic marketing just by using all these partnerships and by, you know, coming up with these new ideas. So on that note, how does this sort of experiential marketing relate to the vision that you guys have for Slate? How do you see that evolving? Well, I think you know these projects and others we're currently working on, you know, really solidify you know, our commitment to design and, and our interest in creative collaborations. This all started because we wanted to find ways to do things differently. You know, in our industry, it's easy to, you know, look at real estate and properties with you know more of a commodity-based mindset or thinking. Right. You know, always comparing one one property to the next. You know, the vision we have for Slate is to uh, c- come at things a little bit, you know, ha- take a different approach and, you know, maybe view our job as, as telling a story about how this one particular property or project is maybe unlike anything else out there. Focusing on what makes it a one and only, and then, you know, really developing the language and, and positioning and, and marketing around telling that story. And then the real key is connecting it to the right person or the right, you know, buyer. Sure. But also, even like creative placemaking in mind. I and mean, we've hosted some events, local artists. Uh, we've provided our space to, I think, a lot of 
you know, we wouldn't be the only brokerage that's done that maybe in town, but, you know, any chance we, we have to, uh, to support, you know, the creative community around us, we've taken it. And I think that's a big part of, of Slate and, you know, our vision for, uh, you know, maybe doing things a little bit differently. Yeah, absolutely. And I know kind of maybe early on, you guys had one of your projects was the Canvas series of homes. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that one and, and kind of how that played out. Yeah, that's a project that consists of, you know, seven single family homes, so seven individual residences. They're all, you know, designed in collaboration with two different architects. So locally, Christian Butler and Studio Limited. Christian's kind of flies under the radar because he does a lot of his own projects. You know, he'll design and build his own properties or investment properties. But what's unique about Christian is he's studied in modernist architecture. I mean, he, he went to Taliesin West in Scottsdale, the, the Frank Lloyd, Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture and, and studied under the, you know, in the modernist tradition. And one of his professors there who became a mentor collaborated with him on, on these seven homes. So the, the canvas series of homes, we call it canvas because they are, you know, form-based residential projects, like open floor plans. And of course, everything was bright, you know, white and inviting and uh, or light bright and uh, inviting. So we had the honor of working with or representing them and the developer. And, you know, our approach to it was, you know, again, in collaboration with Guesthouse, uh, our approach was to furnish these homes with design furniture and products that, that kind of bring these spaces to life. You know, we had like more or less the perfect backdrop to continue to evolve that model of staging with Alex and, and evolve our, uh, our approach to photography. So, yeah, we're, we've, we just listed the fourth home in the series uh, last Friday and it went under contract on Tuesday. So, you know, it was on the market for four days. You know, it wasn't a total surprise because it was a bit of a unique home in the series because it had an accessory dwelling unit above the garage. Okay. And that kind of, you know, it, it's a more or less a modern take on a carriage house. Sure. So yeah, that's been fun. And, uh, we've kind of used that as, uh, as the perfect, you know, platform for doing all these things we're, we're talking about, whether it's, you know, inviting people in for events or, uh, hosting photo shoots, you know, the developer has been very open-minded to how we bring people into the space. Yeah. That's super interesting. And is that, is that related to kind of the new project that you were telling me about earlier on the, before we hopped on the, on the call? No, that's different. So, uh, that, that was a different client, you know, canvas, you know, we've been working on for a year cause it, you know, it's seven homes. They've kind of been building them, you know, one at a time so far. And this other project is recently started working on, it's called the Atria residences. Okay. The opportunity with that project was, uh, to create an identity for the project. Uh, before it was referred to as the Jason Street multifamily or Jason Street townhomes. We thought there was a, an opportunity to you know, give it a name and give it an, an identity. It's just four residences in total, so it's a smaller project. But we looked at it you know, as an opportunity to create a website, create messaging around you know, what makes the project stand out. Of course, we brought in Guest House and you know, did another... Uh, another staging project where we just last night, actually, we hosted what we call a designer's preview and we brought in all the, the makers and designers and artists who uh, made the things with, that we furnished the home with. We invited them to tell the world or, you know, put out there to their networks that this home is open to them. And, uh, and last night we kind of had a, a unique opening house. And, and that went well. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a good turnout. I also invited in, you know, the brokerage community, and you know, the goal was just to bring people, invite people into the space, and and let, let them, you know, interact with not just the furniture product, but you know, most importantly, the architecture itself. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, you got a lot of some of those organic social media shares that we were talking about before. Yeah, I've been uh, trying to keep up with them all day. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, um, being that you're in Denver and Denver is kind of in the middle of a, of a real estate boom, you know, in the middle or has been in one for a really long time. Um, what are the biggest challenges that you've seen with the growth in Denver? Well, primarily I'd say we're overbuilding, you know, large multifamily projects that are you know, oftentimes built quickly or, or cheaply. Yeah. We have a lot of out of state interests or, uh, you know, developers who are, you know, designing buildings that don't always fit into the to the fabric here. The they feel a little bit out of context. A lot of that comes down to design. So I think that's a that's certainly a challenge. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, affordable housing is another issue. Denver has grown just exponentially. I feel like since I arrived here uh, 11, 12 years ago, and you know, not everyone's taking a thoughtful approach to design when it's. When, you know, when it comes to the built environment. Right. Yeah. I know that there's the, I think it's like the fugly movement or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. Fugly Denver. Yeah. That all started just a way for the community to kind of speak out and say, Hey, these are bad projects. Um, right. and, uh, but now it's, now it's gotten a little out of hand. There's a lot of people that have maybe too much time on their hands and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, spend a lot of time on their, tearing apart projects sometimes when they don't even fully understand them. Sure. But I think it certainly helps, right? It's, it's the, the whole point is to be a little bit more considerate when it comes to, you know, how we're building things and, and designing things in these neighborhoods. Yeah. Have you noticed a change in, in kind of the way that Denver has been growing maybe, you know, after the initial boom and now that, you know, it's obviously going to continue growing. Has there been a change in, in the way that people are, are thinking about its growth or people being more thoughtful? Some are, I think, yeah, I think the key is to uh, align kind of the public sector and, and the private sector, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, especially as it relates to affordable housing, I, I think, I, I think there's, you know, speaking of design, I think there's an opportunity for, you know, maybe more creative thinking and how we could come into agreement on, on certain programs to support like, you know, affordable housing and inequality in, in our housing stock. Right. You know, the way Denver's going is, you know, any new condo project is is being sold at a, a super high, you know, dollar per square foot. And so it's limiting in the sense that it takes someone with a really high income. And the problem is is we need to kind of figure out how to balance that and and build projects that allow for a wider audience to invest in. Yeah. Do you think that's probably the biggest opportunity in Denver right now is, is trying to figure out how, you know, housing can become more affordable and without, without question. Yeah. And there are some people in, in town, even, you know, big developers who are uh, really outspoken when it comes to all of this. And uh, I know the city's certainly paying attention. I think only time will tell, but you know, as of now, it, it seems um, it's being articulated more often that it needs to become a priority. So sure. um, we'll just see if, you know, if, if the city continues to respond to that. And, you know, it's really kind of comes down to how they incentivize these developers or support support projects that have affordable housing. Right. Are there any particular projects in Denver, you know, over the past several years that you're particularly proud of or that you think are notable? 
Uh, yeah, I, I really look up to some of these developers that have taken risk uh, in you know adaptive reuse type of development. So um, you know taking an underutilized property or building and and uh, bring, you know giving it a new life through introducing different maybe more activated uses. You know, Union Station is a great example of this. I mean, that was uh, kind of a rundown uh, building that had kind of been neglected for many many years. The source is another great example. I mean, that was. Uh, an old iron foundry, 130-year-old iron foundry. They turned into an artisan market hall, which has inspired, I believe, other projects like it, you know, food halls, market hall-type concepts, but also, you know, just inspiring others and how we might look at opportunities for for these buildings and, and how they might serve a greater purpose. Sure. Switching gears and going on a tangent, but I know you know, with regards to adaptive reuse, I know that you kind of put on a different developer hat on another project of yours out in Des Moines, where you're from, being the foundry. So maybe you could tell us about that a little bit and, and kind of how you switched gears from from being a broker to kind of leading the development on that on that project. Yeah, yeah. Happy to talk about the, the foundry. So, well, I mentioned Source. The foundry was directly inspired by the Source and a couple other concepts in Denver. That opportunity came up a few years ago, like five minutes from my home back in Des Moines. There was an old railroad maintenance facility. It was uh, more or less a big brick barn uh, that allowed service uh, rail cars. So, you know, they had like the repair shops in there, the paint shops, and five lines of rail track that came into the building. And with that, you have five massive overhead garage doors on each side of the building. And this building had been sitting empty for nine years, almost almost a decade. So what we did there is we acquired the building. And this was really, yeah, definitely a, a, a pivot for me because it was my first development project. Sure. But, uh, you know, we ended up acquiring the building in 2016. And then we converted the, the space or the building into three different end users. One being a large commissary kitchen. It's a nonprofit kitchen that services food trucks and food truck owners. And then on the in the middle space, we designed and developed a kind of a modern European beer hall. What's great is it functions as a food truck food court for the food truck proprietors next door. You know, first time in history in in, uh, in Des Moines, these food truck guys have an indoor point of sale. So, you know, it's oftentimes in the Midwest, it's either too hot or too cold to stand outside for food trucks. And, and here they have uh, more or less a place to serve their food as well as put it on the trucks and take it downtown to, to sell. And then the third tenant is a distillery. So we kind of integrated the beer hall, the hall we call it, and the distillery. So if you're in there having a pint sitting at a beer hall table, you can look into the uh, production facility next door. And, uh, and it's, it's, you want to talk about experiential, um, right. you, you're looking right into the distillery and seeing these guys hard at work to produce gins, rums, uh, vodkas, and we just started aging whiskey. So, okay. yeah, so that's been something I've kind of worked on while in Denver and, uh, again, you know, was inspired by some of these projects that I've grown accustomed to in Denver. And uh, of course, it's my hometown. So it's been a, a pretty cool experience. And you know, I get to go back home and you know, hang at the foundry, which it's hard to believe that, uh, you know, it's three years now in the works. But um, right. 
but you know that's a great example too of creative placemaking and how we you know developed a property into a place for community engagement and it's been pretty successful i mean our biggest issue right now is figuring out more parking okay <laughs> right yeah which is kind of a contentious issue across the urban landscape. Even in Des Moines, but, you know, these places become like destinations, right? right. Um, you know, we're in a part of town that's not Des Moines. It's actually in West Des Moines, but it's right on the border of the two cities. Okay. And it's in a historic railroad town that, uh, you know, kind of reminds me of Taxi. I mean, there's a, there's like a main street that is activated with, you know, bars and restaurants and galleries and such. But we're like four or five blocks down where it's uh, it's on the other side of the tracks, you know, and it's it's more industrial. And, and uh, uh, this is kind of the first project of its kind where you take an industrial property and uh, at least in, you know, this part of West Des Moines and, and give it a new use. That's more of like a retail restaurant use. Yeah. Yeah. And then the biggest thing with that, where like design, you know, it's, it's a great topic where it ties in well with, with this topic because the greatest opportunity there was to create an identity around the project. You know, we have our tenants that are the spaces, but then we, you know, we look at the foundry as the place, right? You know, the, the space and place. So it's the hall at the foundry or the foundry distilling company at the foundry. With that comes uh, a huge need for graphic design and, you know, again, telling that story of this project and integrating, you know, website and, and how we photograph the building and uh, wayfinding, you know, right. like, like actual, you know, design in the built environment, uh, wayfinding and signage. Um, yeah. you know, we hired a guy named Adam Ferry, you know, we worked with him, you know, pretty closely to develop, uh, the identity for not just the foundry, but also the hall at the foundry. And they helped us execute on our vision. And it's, it's been, I mean, the outcome has been uh, pretty incredible. They got a big award with the American advertising association, you know, their thoughtfulness, our thoughtfulness toward the history of the building, like telling that story. So we integrated in, uh, you know, stories, visual storytelling related to like hobos, you know, migrant traveling workers who rode the line, you know, rode the rail lines in search of, you know, work and places to hang. Right. Um, and so we tell that story, you walk into our atrium and, uh, you know, we have the hobo, uh, symbol. They had like a, a communication system. It looks like hieroglyphics, you know, <laughs> but they had a, a system on how to communicate or give heads up to the next one. who's going to you know, cross that path. And, uh, we, we tied that in. We, we learned there are stories of, the Chicago Rock Island railroad workers in the 1890s and you know early 1900s they uh, take a lunch break where they they drink beer which at the time uh, you know was one way to you know get sustenance um, and they would you know they'd sing and they'd have like hymns and they would you know like there's this huge community yeah, we have images of this and we kind of blew them up so in terms of design we tried to give nod to the building's history as often as we could tried to highlight that history and, and the history of the building, which I think really just adds to the awe factor for when people come in, you know, they come in to experience, you know, not just hopefully good food, booze and beer, but they're there to experience this space in the, in the architecture. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that on different market hall concepts, whether that's, you know, here in Minneapolis or in Denver, um, or other ones that we've seen kind of across North America is that when, when the developer, you know, puts focus on the brand of the project itself and, and doesn't just leave it as, 
you know, a collection of all of these other retailers and restaurants, but really puts emphasis on the brand itself. It just makes it so much more of a, of a better story for people to grasp onto and, and to bring people you know, into the space itself. It's kind of that, that glue that ties the entire experience together. So it's interesting to hear you say that because it seems like that's kind of a big, you know, differentiator between projects that have been successful or maybe ones that haven't been so much. Yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously, you know, creating the experience is what's key. And everyone today is looking for a greater experience, right? Whether it's going to the grocery store or how you shop, yeah, how you shop for goods and products. Right. Very important. Yeah. So, you know, the final question here, what we like to do is just ask you who else is doing inspiring or groundbreaking work and who else should we be uh, paying attention to? Uh, yeah, in Denver, I'd say, you know, if you ever heard of the taxi community, maybe go tour that campus. It's now, I believe it's 20 acres, but it all started as one cab stand uh, where they convert it into a creative workspace or office building. The development team behind that is Zeppelin Development. You know, Mickey Zeppelin, Kyle Zeppelin, and, and their team, they've done the Source Hotel or the Source and, and recently the newly opened Source Hotel, which I believe you guys worked on. You guys yeah, part of the website, building the website and, and uh, telling that story. But also Zeppelin Station, um, you know, they have a number of projects that uh, – they took a design forward approach to these projects and hiring architects who, you know, maybe do things that are totally unique, uh, where, you know, effectively, you know, engaging teams that know how to take risk, creative risk. And what's cool is I think, you know, my decade living in Denver decade plus, I've noticed how these projects might've inspired others, you know, how it might've inspired other developers to, to take a, a different approach to, you know, how they, develop their project. Yeah. And then I would say on the smaller level, like, you know, smaller developers who are deciding uh, to work with smaller architectural firms like Meridian 105 or uh, Boss Architecture, Studio Contempliva, Studio Limited, we mentioned Christian Butler, you know, find out, you know, look into these firms and see the projects that they're working on and who they're collaborating with. Yeah. You know, I think there's some exceptional projects uh, going up in Denver, you know, even though we talked a lot about some of the ones that, you know, might not be exceptional, but, but there, uh, there are a number of, of smaller projects that I think are uh, really shaping the landscape here in Denver. Awesome. Yeah. And so uh, Jorgen, I guess, before we, we let you go here, um, tell the world where they can find you online and learn more about, you know, what you do and also Slate. As for tonight, I'll be down at Halltoberfest at the Halt Foundry. <laughs> I'm actually back home in Des Moines at the moment, so I'm excited to head down to the Foundry. It's it's been a, a month month and a half since I was back, so I'm um, excited to see the latest there. But you know, in Denver, Slate Real Estate Advisors, uh, you can find us at slaterea.com. Uh, we have uh, all of our projects uh, listed on that site. Uh, we have some some new projects coming up that we'll soon add and. We're excited to share those with with the community, um, and then on Instagram, uh, just look up Slate Real Estate Advisors, and yeah, take a look at some of our work. Awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Brian. Have a good day. Take care. Transforming Cities is brought to you by Authentic Form and Function, the digital design and development team that just might be a perfect fit for your next urban project. If you're a new listener, you can follow along at authenticff.com/transformingcities. Or you can subscribe through your favorite outlets, including SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Thanks for joining us.